Hey everyone, this is Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, here with another In the Cloud interview. On today's episode of In the Cloud, we're going to be diving deeper into securing networks, but more specifically, how the process of securing networks relates to securing critical infrastructure specifically, as well as intersecting some of the recent high-profile cybersecurity breaches and whether or not the digital transformation of critical infrastructure like our energy grid is also creating new vulnerabilities for bad actors. So here to give us a better lay of the land is Mr. Yair Polig. He's CTO and co-founder of Ayeka, which is an end-to-end hardware and software solutions company that allows for optimization of networks and processes, insights for asset management and resource planning, among other solutions. Yair Polig, great to have you on. How are you doing? Thanks. Doing well. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, real pleasure getting to chat with you today and source your insights for In the Cloud. So let's go ahead and jump in. We've got a bit to break down here. Uh, Historically, parts of our critical infrastructure were not connected to networks to prevent vulnerabilities. Uh, I think that's pretty clear in obviously the the name digital transformation, right? We're still seeing a lot of aspects of our critical infrastructure uh, get a digital edge to them. Uh, I'm curious how this digital transformation, uh, specifically of the electrical grid, is changing uh, the relationship between critical infrastructure and cybersecurity. Give us that high-level overview. Right. So first, not just historically, still to this very day, most of the infrastructure around the world, and by the way, not only the energy, uh, the grid, uh, but also water, wastewater, environmental assets, and so on, like um, reservoirs and tanks and whatnot, the majority is still not connected to anything. Like we all talk about the IoT and everything is connected. Well, in reality, most infrastructure out there in the uh, wild world, you know, uh, around us, And also in the urban world, uh, it's still not connected. Uh, Now we all take it uh, uh, for granted that this stuff needs to get connected. It needs to get digitized, sorry, um, in order to improve the performance of the the assets and so on. Now, of course, when you connect something that is usually offline, when you connect it to the internet or to some private network, doesn't matter, uh, then suddenly you're exposed to all of these uh, cyber uh, threats uh, that we're hearing about. if you go even even further back in history, the industrial automation world, the classic industrial automation world, uh, was not really designed with cybersecurity in mind. All right, so all these uh, automation robots and and uh, uh, process controllers, pumps, all that stuff, it was designed and created originally in an era where things were offline. Right, so uh, you had a pump station, a factory, whatever it was like. You had a fence, you had a perimeter. That was your stuff there. There was no internet around you, um, and and when people started to scale this out uh, to the real world infrastructure around us and get more visibility, try to get more visibility from uh, the outside world, outdoors, and so on, they basically use the same components that they use in the fence in their facilities, but you know in the outside world, and suddenly we see all this crazy stuff going on around us. So that's basically where we are today. Uh, It doesn't have to be this way, by the way. Now, to avoid uh, creating vulnerabilities as companies do embrace this digital transformation or as municipalities embrace it, again, for critical infrastructure, do you think we're going to see these organizations try to separate their networks more to make it harder to have a a uh, full-on attack, right? One that uh, impacts all aspects of their network. So maybe a separation of business networks and operating networks from IT networks. Is that a trend that you think we're going to see or you think we should see? Why or why not? We're seeing and we should see more. 
um, what we first, first what we think the good news is, um, and, and that's in, in like a 10 or 15 years perspective on this business, um, is that there is a lot of awareness now, um, actually mainly because of all the high profile incidents that we recently had. So there is more awareness. There is like a lot of education going into that direction uh, of, you know, separate your stuff, isolate things, isolate monitoring from control, isolate IT from OT and all that stuff. This is definitely happening. Happening. We're going to see it more and more. Um, but it's not only that, right? Uh, at the end of the day, it's very, very hard to change these networks, these infrastructure networks, uh, because they do serve and operate um, uh, for years at the field and they're serving, serving populations of, I don't know, 10 million people here and another 20 million people here. It's not so easy just to, you know, one morning change the network layout and what connects to what and how has to be a, a process and gradual and in between while, you know, the world is adapting to all these new threats, um, you know, we see all these crazy incidents. So it's going to take a while until we get to the point where we need to be. So to frame this uh, at a, a regulatory level or at least a, a legal level as well, you know, it's not to say that cybersecurity hasn't had years, if not decades, of attempted uh, regulation around it, but there have been more recent discussions, especially in the context of these high-profile breaches uh, between policymakers and uh, different organizations, municipalities and companies to try to strengthen cybersecurity at a sort of blanketed level, right? Do you think that this is something that can actually be regulated at that level? Or is this a challenge that companies need to take on personally? And is it a more uh, individualized responsibility, uh, either at an industry level or at an individual company level? Which and why? Let's, let's, uh, so the majority of the company out there uh, won't do anything related to cyber unless they're forced to. By the way, IECA is not the, this is not the case of IECA. Um, my personal history, my background comes from uh, the Israeli Defense Force, the uh, uh, intelligence part. This is like this, you know, similar to the Israeli version of the NSA, I would say. And when we started the company, it was clear to us that, you know, whatever is going on uh, in the industrial world jungle in terms of cybersecurity, we're not doing that. We have our own. Uh, um, approach to cybersecurity, and we built it into the product from very early uh, um, days of AECA. Now, this is not the case for most of the product out there. Uh, the good news is that the regulators are really shifting more and more energy toward that space. We can see it everywhere. And just like it works with uh, standards, so once you have like you know a national water supplier requiring a certain certification, then it propagates all the way down to all the vendors, and we're seeing that happening. It's going to be a process. It's going to take still, you know, five to ten years until it actually reaches to the very uh, low-level vendors of every, you know, uh, component in the system. But we're getting there slowly. Uh, so generally, yes, that's that's how it's going to work. You know, I've done several of these interviews, and something I've heard consistently, either as an aside or just a very focused point as to why we continue to see some of these cybersecurity challenges, especially at an enterprise level, uh, folks say that a part of it has to do with just general apathy, that leadership is not as concerned around cybersecurity as they should be, or there's a sense that, well, this hasn't affected us yet, so we don't need to worry about it until it does, right? Do you think this is an oversimplification of the challenge, or is there some truth to that assessment? What are your thoughts there? Is there anything to blame around general apathy towards cybersecurity at an enterprise level? I think there is like a generational gap here. Um, so I kind of, you know, professionally grew up, uh, again, in, you know, in the kind of Israeli version of the NSA and, and uh, then the Ministry of Defense and all that stuff. 
where it was like really, you know, um, I, I was really taught to, to take this seriously and, and do all that stuff. But the people of the utilities, they come from a different background. Uh, they know how to operate their uh, water networks or energy networks or gas, it doesn't matter. Their stuff, civil engineering stuff, right? And suddenly uh, you come over and say, listen, you have all this cyber stuff, IP addresses, firewalls, VPNs, whatever. It's like, it's, it's totally different from their main objective of providing the services they should to the population. It's so different that, you know, at first they look at you and say, what, you know, we don't know anything about it. Uh, however, this is really changing. Uh, I think uh, slowly you see more and more um, uh, organization shifting more resources towards that. Um, it, you know, if you go back five years, you would, um, um, you know, uh, file a bid somewhere in the U.S. And basically, they would ask you on the form, are you cyber secure? Tick, done. That's it. Now, we invested like five years of engineering into cybersecurity features. And eventually, we get like a check mark saying, yeah, you're secure, right? This is not, this is, this doesn't work anymore. Now, you get like a spreadsheet with 500 questions of exactly what are you doing there? You know, what is the secure development lifecycle? Who is reviewing your code? Is anyone uh, ever pen tested your system? Do you, do you have white hackers trying to, you know, hack your uh, cloud platform? How do you respond? Do you have monitoring? Like it's, it's you know, it's big. Um, and it's just the beginning, right? So I think like there is hope to this industry. Um, it's, not, it's not lost yet, uh, but there is a gap. Right, it's not just not the same profession uh, like the civil infrastructure world. Uh, the classic civil engineers that actually run the utilities today—they're uh, not like millennials who grew up with iPhones and 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 you know all the cyber attacks in, around them. Kind of adjusting to it slowly, and also as new engineers enter to these utilities, also on the IT departments, so it helps. Right, they kind of understand more and more the game. Um, and the game changes all the time. So it's challenging, but it's changing in a positive way, in my opinion. Last question I've got for you here, but uh, just to localize this a little bit more, uh, oftentimes what we hear from municipalities when challenged on why haven't you upgraded your systems, why haven't you digitally transformed your critical infrastructure, uh, one of the responses is, that they can't afford either, you know, time-wise or monetarily a disruption in service in order to then upgrade those systems from legacy technology. What are your thoughts on that challenge? Uh, is this one of the main roots of vulnerabilities in the system? And how would you strategize around transforming that infrastructure without losing service? Right. I, I don't think it's... Um, uh... I don't buy this explanation. I'm, I'm sorry to be that I'm being blunt here. Um, like, you know, again, with a 10 and, or almost 15 years of perspective on, on different uh, kind of projects, even before we started AECA, um, you don't have to interrupt the service in order to upgrade your system, right? You can start slow, especially, for example, in our world, you can start with a very uh, small deployment, just a proof of concept, proof of value, uh, we as a company would help you, would help the utility actually to prove the value of the system, get the budgets, get the approvals, we will work with you and so on. Uh, so there is a way to do that. I think it starts actually with objectives and a vision. We see that the most successful uh, digitization process actually starts with, uh, with, with the leadership, with someone high up, uh, a C-level executive that has a vision of you know, achieving that goal, optimizing X preventing overflows to the river, whatever. There, there gotta be some motivation, whether it's external or internal, 
And then it's up to execution and budgets and so on. But it always has to start with the vision. Um, we're, seeing, we're seeing that in, still in some places, this is kind of missing. People know that they want to do something digital. Everyone is talking IoT, machine learning, all that stuff. Um, but it's not clear to them what value it would drive tomorrow or within three years or five years. And therefore, in many cases, they just don't start the process. Um, in, in, in case, you know, they do want to try and, and, you know, experiment with that and see, you know, what companies like ours can do for them. Um, then we see that, you know, it's, you know, once we hit the field, uh, we ship the customers some devices, they try, they plug and play. It's an eye opener experience for them. Suddenly they can see stuff. They never, they never could. Right. And then it's kind of addicted. Uh, they get addicted to that. It's kind of addictive. Um, and, and they want to expand. So I think there is a barrier, um, first of a decision to, to experiment and try and also a vision. And once you cross that, then you will find the budget and, and you know, the execution team to do that. Um, that's basically what you need in order to do that. I don't think it's, um, it's, a, I don't think it's an excuse for, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't think, I don't think it, this process needs to interrupt the service nor to introduce vulnerabilities if you do it properly, right? All right, Yair, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate you giving us this overview of uh, how you see critical infrastructure approaching digital transformation, some of the challenges they're facing, and strategies to maneuver said transformation. Again, we've been chatting with Yair Polig, he's CTO and co-founder of Ayeka. And uh, Yair, if folks want to find out a little bit more about some of the work your company is doing or they want to get in touch, how can they do so? So just go to www.ayeka.com. Ayeka is A-Y-Y-E-K-A.com. Uh, you can drop us a note there. We'll get in touch. Perfect. Yair, thanks again for your time and we'll be in touch. Thank you very much, Daniel. Bye-bye.